<laughs> oh, no, stop, please. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, Scott and I were sitting and talking about music to go in the background of the video, and I was like, oh, remember that old song by Callaway called I Want Money, Lots and Lots of Money? And, uh, and then there was Material Girl by Madonna, and we started just rolling through all these songs that all talk about the stuff that we want. And, uh, you know, I, I got to laughing a little bit and thinking a little bit about, about uh, what, we, what we really do want and, and why do we want it. The funny thing is, is I'm looking at um, the date, the calendar date today. It's August 15th. Question for you. How many of you, how many of you have already started shopping for Christmas? Anybody? I got one. One? Yeah, want to. Well, of course we want to. We always want to. It's just until the last week, does it really matter? Um, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, you might be thinking, why in the world is he talking about Christmas anyway? Well, I want to let you know it's only 131 days till Christmas. It is only 131 days till Christmas. I mean, you've got to think about it. Football starting. Yaffle kids were screaming at the top of their lungs down um, just down the road from my house, and I heard them yesterday morning, and I was like, come on, please, just start the games an hour later. You know, but um, the, uh, the kids are out there screaming, so football start, and we know that. we got school starting. I'm sorry about that, kids, who have already started for a couple of days. My son starts on Tuesday. It's just a sad, sad day. I'm so sorry. Um, but, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Cause for the first week, you're excited to be back at school because you get to see all your friends, and you go, oh, wait, i got like 100 more of these left before I'm out of here. And uh, so... Um, you know, with all those things starting, you start thinking about Christmas. Now, has anybody told you what they wanted for Christmas yet? <laughs> no. no, Nobody really tells you what they want for Christmas. This is, they just tell you what they want. You know, uh, you can assume whether or not it's for Christmas or not. But we're in a type of society where we'll go out, if, if somebody says, well, I really want that. You know, you don't say, well, you know, Christmas is only 131 days away. You don't say that. You know, we, we go ahead and say, hey, you know, yeah, I think that's something we should get and, and something that we should do. And, you know, it, it's funny to think about why we want stuff. And as we, uh, as we wrap up today, the uh, Ten Commandments with number 10. And uh, number 10 is basically of our, of our uh, 10 values to build a strong family foundation on. We are in the last one. Next week we're going to have a communion service, and that will be entirely what it is. So if you haven't got to experience one of those with us yet, we want to invite you to be Well, even if you have, we still want to invite you as well. But uh, if you haven't had a chance to be a part of one of those, it's, an, it's a special experience that... Um, that, that you, know, you just know the Holy Spirit's here and you can really feel it and it's an exciting time to be a part of. But um, as we wrap up this one, I don't want to skip ahead too fast. It's really about learning to be content. It really is about learning to be content. And the verse itself basically says don't covet your neighbor's stuff. And it, it goes into a whole bunch of stuff. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male, female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Like I said, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Don't Covet. Well, what's that word covet mean anyway? Covet, actually, dictionary.com, definition to covet is to desire wrongfully, inordinately, or without due regard for the rights of others to covet, covet another's property or to wish for. To wish for. And I, I saw that, and of course, uh, I'm not sure about you, if you ever look at a definition, if you think to yourself, you know what, I need to, um, I need to actually get a definition uh, for a definition because I didn't know exactly what inordinately meant. So um, I looked at that as well, and it basically was talking about the fact that um, it's not in order. It's just something that you want to consume. It's just you have to have it. You have to have. And um, that's what it's about. And uh, it can easily be said that coveting in itself is just the uncontrolled desire 
to acquire. The uncontrolled desire to acquire, you know, and having the desire to acquire is not bad because God put it in us. You know, you might even call it an appetite. You might call it an appetite. Each and every one of us have an appetite for all sorts of things, but a controlled appetite is one thing. An uncontrolled appetite is totally different. Um, If I were to say that our appetite only knows one word, what is that word? More. Always want more. We always want that next big thing. And if we can't control the more of our appetite, we're in big trouble. And that's where we learn to be content. You know, we have an appetite for all sorts of things. First one I thought of was food. Okay? That's the most obvious one that we have is that we have an appetite for food. I'm just going to be real with you. I like to eat. Okay? I'm not sure if you have, uh, have noticed that on me or not. Um, I do every morning. I try and wear baggy clothes so you can't. Um, the thing is, is that I like to watch Man vs. Food. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that on, uh, on the Food Channel before. Or it might even be Travel Channel. I don't know which one it's on. But, but um, there was one the other day that I was almost tempted. And I'm not even joking. I was almost tempted to get in the car because it was up in Boulder, Colorado. I almost got in the car and said, hey, let's just take a quick little vacation up to Boulder, Colorado because I want to try this competition. It was eat 50 buffalo wings in these big old massive, it was called the Wing King Challenge. It's this big old bucket of 50 buffalo wings. And uh, you had to eat them in 30 minutes. And I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. But then he didn't, so then I was kind of like, eh, well, it'd still be fun to try, you know. And, and I got to thinking about how much we like to eat, and, and I started thinking about how much people have these uncontrolled appetites. But the thing that really blew me away, there's an international federation of competitive eating. Did anybody ever know that? I mean, that thing they do for the Nathan's Hot Dogs on July 4th every year, there's actually a federation like the NFL or the NBA. It is the IFOCE, and it is the International Federation of Competitive Eating. These guys have sponsors. I don't know who sponsors them. It's probably not Dexatrim or anything like that. But the whole idea of having sponsors for this, as a matter of fact, this last year, I'm not sure if you've ever watched the competitive eating. I always just get grossed out by it and totally intrigued by it at the same time. Um, They had uh, the Kobayashi who's the, the Japanese guy that generally holds a record, it's he and Joey Chestnut that always go against each other. Joey Chestnut won two years ago, and this last year, uh, Joey Chestnut actually ate 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes, which just blows my mind, because um, I've tried, and I can get like four. Um, but the, uh, the, the idea that this, this uh, Kobayashi, he didn't even compete this year, because he was having a, um, a standoff with his supporting you know, sponsor, which just blows my mind, I mean, seriously. You have to have a sponsor? Are you going to wear the headband that has their name on I mean, what exactly? Do you have the cup as you're drinking to slop down all these hot dogs and things like that? But then I got to look, and there's an International, Federal, or International Federation of Competitive Eating page of nothing but the records. I thought I'd share some of these with you because they're amazing, okay? The first one that really, really blew my mind, a 22-ounce Slurpee. Anybody drank a Slurpee too fast before and got a brain freeze? The record for a 22-ounce Slurpee, nine seconds. That just makes my, I just got, right just now, just thinking about it. That hurts. That's impossible. What in the world? Here's some other ones. 8.4 pounds of baked beans in two minutes and 47 seconds. 8.4 pounds. That's bigger than Isaac Benjamin over here. 
That's like eating a whole... Wow, that's just a lot of beans, too. There's got to be some after effects. 8.8 pounds... 8.8 pounds of asparagus. Who eats, who eats a little bit of asparagus, much less 8.8 pounds in 10 minutes? I'm not sure if you've eaten 8 pounds of anything. It doesn't matter if it's chocolate. 8.8 pounds. 3 pounds, 3 ounces of pickled beef tongue. Ooh, you know? <laughs> what is going on with people? And that's in 12 minutes. You couldn't get me to bite in 12 minutes of pick, pickled beef tongue, I'll tell you that. Now, here's one I would like to maybe give it a shot, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even come close. Barbecue brisket sandwiches. 34 and three-quarter sandwiches in 10 minutes. 34 and three-quarter sandwiches in 10 minutes. Brats. I love Johnsonville brats. How many think you could eat in 10 minutes? That Kobayashi guy? 58. 58. You can't even chew those things. That's like, what is wrong with people? You know, and it's funny, I look at this. Now, this one here, some of you might want to give it a shot. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. 11 pounds in nine minutes. <laughs> Just makes my stomach hurt thinking about it. This one here is probably one of the grosser ones. Butter. Butter, yeah. They have a competition for eating butter. Seven quarter-pound sticks in five minutes. Seven quarter-pound sticks in five minutes. Yeah, you might want to think that. They're also going to slide right back up. That's the thing. That is just some horrible stuff. Now, buffalo wings, like I said, I like buffalo wings, but boneless buffalo wings. 7.72 pounds of buffalo wings in 12 minutes. I just... I just don't get it. And, of course, the one that's probably most popular is the hot dog eating contest in that Joey Chestnut last year, 68 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 68 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I mean, what is that, one every 10 seconds? That is just ridiculous. And we think about we have this appetite for food. That kind of makes you lose your appetite just a little bit, doesn't it? But it'll be back because it always is, and that's what the deal is with that. We also have an appetite for stuff, Okay. Let's just be honest here. We have an appetite for stuff. We all like stuff. And if you say, I don't, I don't believe you, okay? I can be real honest with you, and I can sit down, and I'm just, I don't know. You know, there's always this fine line of how open and honest a pastor should be and how, I'm going to tell you the stuff that I like, okay? I'm going to tell you the stuff that I want, and I'm not telling you the stuff that I want to whine so you guys all go, oh, our pastor's so so hurting right now. We need to go out and get stuff for him. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you want to, I'm not going to turn you down. Um, this, is what, this is what it boils down to. I mean, I go out and I, I enjoy playing golf. I play maybe 10 times a year. At the, so it's not like I'm a big avid golfer or something like that. But every time I pull up my clubs, I'm like, I could be so much better if I had new clubs. I'm not sure if you ever looked at a new set of golf clubs before, but they're not on the cheap end. And then I go home and I'll watch golf or football or basketball or anything on my TV, and I'm like, my TV is so small, I can't even hardly see anything. It's only 32 inches. You know, everybody else has 55-inch TVs. Why don't I have a 55-inch TV? And you start whining about those kind of things like that, and then you go into Best Buy, and you start looking at all the ones on the wall, and you're like, oh, man, oh, and they have 0% financing for three years? How great is that? I could do that. And we start telling ourselves these things in the stuff mentality. We've had the same bedroom furniture since we got married, so 12, 12 years. And um, we have a queen bed, and I'm very large. 
And, and every time that I crawl under that queen bed and I sprawl out, I put my elbow in Christy's face or something like that. And she's like, oh, we just need to get a bigger bed. And, of course, a bigger bed means new nightstands and new dressers and all those kind of things like that. And we go tour around in a, in a you know, a, a furniture store. And all we think about is, oh, yeah, we could do it. And, of course, they're always throwing out that 0% stuff for this amount of time. And they're always trying to lure you in because they know that we want stuff. And they know that we can't wait for stuff. And when it boils right down to it, we don't need any of that stuff. We just say that we need all of that stuff. Because like I told you guys last week, we are the best salesmen in the room. We can sell ourselves on anything. There's other things we have an appetite for. How about status? Anybody in here want to have a promotion? Anybody in here want to just be a little bit more recognized at work? Anybody in here want to be a little bit more recognized in, in their group that they hang out with at, at school or their group they hang out with at work or their, their homeowners association or whatever it might be? You know, we all want to have this next thing. Another one is sex. You know, I heard, I heard a guy saying um, about, this was when I was studying a couple weeks ago when we did our adultery thing, but he said, you know, um, I've been to the Grand Canyon, which I have as well. And uh, got a chance to tour around it, got a chance to kind of walk down. I've lived in Arizona, so it was kind of one of those, you know, you have to go to the Grand Canyon, you live in Arizona. Ridden the train to it out of Williams, had a lot of fun stuff like that. If I told somebody, hey, this is something you should try, yeah, great. If they said, do you want to do it again? I'm like, you know what, I don't have to. That's not the same way it is with sex. Um, just plain, simple, honest. We want more of it. Independence. Remember when you were a little kid and you just wanted to stay up later? And then after that, you wanted to drive a car. And then after that, you wanted to go a little bit further than the distance was that your parents said, yeah, you can drive a car, but you can only go to the store to pick me up milk. Remember that? That was my mom. Yeah, you can get a license, no problem. I don't want to have to go to the store, so you'll have to do it for me. That was kind of what I got stuck with. But, you know, and it became, okay, now I want to have this little bit more independence here, and I want to have a little bit more independence here. And then it becomes this thing with God, and, and we're talking that we always want just a little bit more. And we think that... If I could just get a driver's license, then I'll be happy. I'm not sure if you remember that. I drove way before I ever had a driver's license, and some of you probably had the same thing. My parents just told me if I got caught that it, it was me and they were going to deny letting me have the car. So um, you know, that was kind of the way it was, and it was one of those things that it was, it was uh, independence that we had to have. Anybody here have an appetite for winning? Absolutely. Without a doubt, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm really excited about football starting up. A lot of experts, and of course, these are real expert people, are picking the Packers to be the best team in the NFC. You can't, you can't beat that. The only problem is anytime the experts pick them, they fall flat on their face and disappoint everybody, so I'm a little worried about that. But Aaron Rodgers was 12 for 13 last night for 159 yards, so I was excited about that during pre, and it was just preseason. But same difference. Anybody here have an appetite for peace? We just want more peace. You know, we, we get this, and we, it's, it's there. It's right there in front of us. All these things combined together get, all come together because we have an appetite for one other thing, and that's happiness. We want to be happy, and our appetites always want more. And when we have this uncontrolled desire for what is just out of our grasp, because that's what it always is, isn't it? It's the things that we want are the things that are just this close, but not quite right there. But once we get it, are we really satisfied? Are we really saying, man, I am really happy now? No, 
We always want something else to go with it. We always want that next thing. And, you know, it's funny that the things that we'll give up because of this uncontrolled appetite. I'm not sure if you know the story about uh, Esau giving up his birthright for a bowl of stew because that bowl of stew was right there in front of him. He just gave it up for something that was so temporary. We have this desire for happiness, and you might say that we covet happiness because, you know, we'll see these people that are in their cars, their real nice BMW or whatever it is, and they're all dressed up, and everybody in the, in the car looks really happy because they're driving in a BMW. And everybody, you're thinking, oh, they're going to go home to their big, huge house, and they're going to enjoy all the things that they have, and I just don't have anything. And we get that into our mind, and we think, if I could just have that. But you know what? They're probably looking at you the same way, saying, oh, man, I wish I could just be a little, have a little bit more simpler of a life. You know, and, and we look at those kind of things, we think about those kind of things, and we're always talking to ourselves. We think that if we could only have something, we would be happy. Mark Twain said it this way. He said, any so-called material thing that you want is merely a symbol. You want it not for itself, but because it will content your spirit for a moment. Those things that we want, those things that push us to have this uncontrolled desire to acquire, they cause us to lose control. They cause us to go too far. They cause us to never be satisfied and always want more. You know, I had the opportunity to work for a car dealer um, in, between, uh, in between jobs. And the first thing they teach you is to pray on that, is to pray on a person's desire for more. As a matter of fact, if you've ever bought a new car or ever, ever bought a new car, it generally turns out that within the first three months, nobody's allowed to have any drinks, any food, any, anything in it. You can't touch anything, keep your feet off the seats, you know, wipe your feet before you get in the car, all these kind of things like this for the first three months. The next three months, you kind of let some drinks happen, maybe, not the kids, you yourself might, you might get some stinky french fries or something, but you make sure to clean it all up right away afterwards. That's in six months. By the time a year comes, your car's trashed. Your car is trash, and you all know this because that's the way it works. You're letting stuff come in, your kids are trampling stuff, and there's all those kind of things like that. And guess who knows that? The car dealership. And guess what they're doing between six months and a year? They're sending you postcards. They're sending you, or they're calling you on the phone, saying, hey, just want to check and see how that car's doing for you. Because they know that in your mind, you're thinking, man, I remember back when it was new and everything was good and everything was perfect and all that. All I, all I need is a new car and I'll be happy again. They play, they play on that and they pray on that and they know exactly what they're doing. And they're not the only ones. They're not the only ones. There are so many effects to always wanting more. The first one I want to look at right now is fatigue. Fatigue. We always want more. We have to push to get more and we never... Honestly, in, in, in all society I can think of, we have never been so pushed to get so much more so quickly, ever. We overwork. We take on more than we need just to keep up in this, I guess you might want to call it a material rat race. Because we just got to keep up with the Joneses. We just have to have what they have because they're happy, and we keep a score sheet of who's got what and how they've got it and how they got it. Proverbs 23.4 says this, though, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. When to quit, that leads us to our next one, debt. Debt. This is a sad, sad word 
Ephesians 5, and we'll be in Ephesians 5 quite a bit today, so if you want to um, open your Bibles up to that, but they'll be on the screen as well, so, but I, in case you want to know. Ephesians 5, 10 and 11. Uh, sorry, did I say Ephesians? Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry. Um, Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings happiness. This coming from the smartest, richest guy in the world just about ever, Solomon, Okay. This guy was the smartest ever. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? Coveting destroys budgets. Can you guys say that with me? Coveting destroys budgets. You know it, and I know it. We can lie to ourselves and say that it doesn't. We can try and figure out how we're going to pay it off because, well, we have two years on 0%, and we might get a Christmas bonus in six months, and we might get a tax return. So if those things, I'm going to spend that money now because I need that stuff now. And we start thinking that way, and we start planning that way. And we look at those things, and we say, covenant destroys budgets. We think the problem with our lives is we don't make enough money. That's not the problem with our lives. The problem with our lives is we spend too much money. Do you know the average American has a credit file that has a credit file is at least $17,000 in debt, and that does not include their mortgage? $17,000 in debt. Did you also know that the average American spends $1,500 on credit for every 1000 he or she makes? That's a little thing called deficit spending. I don't know anybody that can get away with that, at least not for very long. Not even the government. Deficit spending is not the way we want. We want more. We think we need more. And guess what? This is one of those duh statements. It always costs more to have more. It always costs more to have more. If you saw our Facebook post this week, I put, if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you can bet the water bill is too. So remember that. Third one is worry. Worry, Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, People who work hard sleep well. Basically, blue-collar workers sleep well whether they eat little or much. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. And some translations say it's because they worry. They worry about the stuff they have because the more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to worry about. Think about the questions that roll through your mind with the stuff that you have. How am I going to pay for it? How am I going to insure it? How am I going to invest it? How am I going to avoid the taxes on it? How am I going to keep from losing it? If you add the first three together, of fatigue, debt, and worry... You have conflict. You have conflict. James 4, 1 and 2 says this. says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war and take it away from them. You know what the number one cause for divorce is? Financial tension. Number one cause for divorce is financial tension. Arguments over money, over stuff, who needs it and why they need it. Fights over what I need, and I'm going to take it from you if necessary. Remember from the very beginning why we said God gave us these Ten Commandments? What was it for? To protect us from who? Ourselves. That's the exact reason why he gave it to us. To protect us from ourselves. And that's why he says don't want other people's stuff. Because it's only going to cause problems. Fifth one. Fifth one is dissatisfaction. 
We go back to Ecclesiastes 5.10 again. It says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless is it to think that wealth brings true happiness? Everything we talked about brings a temporary happiness. All the stuff. Because I remember when I got my TV that I have. I used to think, man, I am living the life. I'm doing great. And now all I can think about is how big of a TV I want next. And you, you may be thinking the same thing. It might not be about a TV, but it's about something. It's about something. Let me ask you this. Anybody on Thanksgiving absolutely stuff themselves before? To the point where you're like, oh, God. <laughs> can't even talk because your mouth is just still trying to swallow that last bite That is because everything is full up to this point right here. Anybody? I've been that way, okay? And what do you do? You sit in a recliner and you go, I will never eat another bite again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three hours later, you're like, Ugh. You know, that cold turkey on some bread, a little mayo, a little mustard, maybe heat up some of those potatoes. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's the way it is in all of our appetites. We, we stuff ourselves to the point, and then it's like, oh, you know what? I'm still, I'm still a little bit hungry because I always want more, and we always want more. How many of you guys are still thrilled about the Christmas gift that you got last year? Anybody? A couple of you couple of you. Christy and I were talking about this last night, and she goes, I don't remember what I got for Christmas last year. I'm like, I don't either. I'm like, I don't think I got anything, you know, which isn't true. I think I got a tie or something, but uh, no. Um, seriously, how many of us are really that excited about the Christmas gift? And we're more looking forward to this next one or our next birthday because we can get something else or, or something more like that. And that's, that's just the way that it is. But, oh, man, it, it is so difficult it's so difficult to, to deal with this in our lives. And, and how do we do it? What is the antidote to, to being covetous and, and wanting stuff? It's contentment. It's contentment. But how do we become content? You know, Paul gives us the answer to this when he's writing in his letter to the Philippian church in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that... At last, you have been renewed. Uh, you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am need, for I have what learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. The antidote, unfortunately, for this isn't like a pill you can take. You can't be like, oh, I just want a new TV. Here, take this. See you in the morning. Oh, I feel so much better. Thanks. You know, that, that's not it. That's not the way we work. We have to learn it. We have to go through this educational process. And here's how we learn to be content. The very first one is this, is stop comparing myself with others. That's very bright white. Yeah. Is there another one after it? No? Did you change the background maybe? No? Maybe? Good? Done? Okay. Well, then just listen to me instead of have to follow along on the screen. Stop comparing ourselves to others. You know why? Because comparing always leads to coveting. Plain and simple. Comparing always leads to dissatisfaction or it leads to pride. Because as we compare with others, we say, oh, this is what we don't have, or this is how much better we are because somebody else doesn't have it. And we get into this thing, and we feel insecure in who God made us to be, 
So we try and say that our stuff is what makes us who we are. But you know what? That's not the case. That's not the case. God knows who we are. Our self-worth is not found in stuff. Our self-worth is not based on our net worth. Our self-worth is based on Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. I've been to countries where the yearly salary isn't as much as I make in a month. And yet they're all smiling and happy. Why? That's another way we compare. So how are they happy when they don't have anything? We start comparing ourselves to these kind of things. And, and we've got to stop figuring out what's going to take to make us happier. 1 Timothy 6.9 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. What do we sacrifice to get richer? That thing we talked about last week, integrity, that's what we sacrifice to get richer. We sacrifice our morals, we sacrifice our values, we sacrifice our relationships, all just for what? More. The second one is be happy with what you have. This was the hardest point for me to bring up. It honestly was the hardest thing. You know, every week I think I've gotten up here when it was time to talk about the Ten Commandments, and I'm like, oh, this one is so hard for me. This one is the hardest, okay? Plain, simple, being happy with what you have. I mean, when you open your eyes and look around, have you ever thought about the fact that you're able to breathe? Have you ever thought about the fact that you have two arms, two legs, that all function normally? I think about some of those things sometimes. I think the thing that, that probably hit, hard, hit me the hardest was about, um, man, it's got to have been six years ago. Camden got pneumonia. And uh, we had to go, we, well, he was just, he was kind of turning blue around the lips and stuff like that. And we said, oh, you know, we probably should take him to the emergency room. His, his blood pulse ox was at 30. We had no idea what that meant, but the doctors did because they started throwing blue lights flashing and people were running everywhere. And we're just going, what? What in the, what's going on? And people are all over the place and they throw him in the back of an ambulance. We go down to UNMH and they put him in the children's ward uh, before the, the new one was built, we just got to hear it be built all night long. Um, we, uh, we were in the children's ward, and, and Camden's, you know, got his oxygen back, and everything's good, and he's, he's, doing, he's doing a lot better. And I walk down the hall, and I'm just, you know, just tired of sitting in a room. And I walk by this room, and the kid's got no hair, and no parents sitting with him. And he's just in there watching SpongeBob or something like that, and holding a teddy bear with tubes and IVs all through him. And I go to the next room, and I see a little kid who's crying with no parents in there. And I go to the next room, and I think to myself, why am I complaining about squat? My kid is healthy. I have insurance that's going to help me get out of here without having to pay too, too much. And I'm seeing these kids. I don't know if any of them made it through. I don't have any idea. I don't know what their situations was. I know right now um, there's, a, there's a pastor friend of Scott's whose daughter is six Correct, Scott? And she just, her cancer came back. They, they said it was gone in, correct me if I'm wrong, it was March, right? Didn't they say it was gone? And it, they just found a new tumor uh, two weeks ago. She's six years old. Uh, if you want to check out the blog, it's prayfordaisy.com. And check that out. And if you want to have a piece of humble pie thrown right in your face, when we think that we're so hurting and stuff like this, and the six-year-old's going through all this stuff, I mean, Scott's like, hey, you got to watch this. I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. 
can't watch it. It kills me. It tears me up inside to think of a little kid hurting. And, you know, those are the things I always want more because I think I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be happier. But I just need to be happy with what I have. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, And it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. To accept your lot in life. Because this indeed is a gift from God. And I look at that and I think about that and I say, you know what, there's a lot of people out there that are a whole lot richer than I am. But there's also a whole lot of people that aren't. Do you realize we'd have nothing if it weren't for God? We have such a problem with the when and then thinking, when I get this, then I'll be happy. But guess what? You're wrong. And you know it. And I'm wrong. And I know it. Yet I continue to lie to myself in that way. You know, something else that will come along that you think you just have to have. Um, Let me ask you a question. What are you waiting on to make you happy? Right now, what's that one thing that you just think is going to make you happy? You need to know that you're as happy as you want to be. You are as happy as you want to be. You need to enjoy what we have and enjoy what you don't have. God gave us what we have for our enjoyment. And just like any parent in here, you know how excited you get when you give your kid a gift and to see the enjoyment that they get out of that gift. That's the same way God is with us. He enjoys seeing us enjoy what he's given us. Understand that enough is enough, and there's two ways to have enough in life. Number one is to get more, or number two is to want less. Number three, give what I have to help others. Give what I have to help others. God doesn't bless you just to bless you for your own benefit. He wants you to share it, and he wants you to help others with it. There's no better feeling than giving. There's no better feeling than giving, and I'm not trying to lift myself up in any way, shape, or form here, but one of the coolest things that, uh, and this is all my wife's idea, and and we've got to run with it from there, but one of the coolest things we get to do at Christmas time is we pick out a family that we know is in need, and we go buy gifts for them, and we just leave it on their front door and don't even let them know that it was us because we don't want that recognition. But it's just an exciting thing for our kids even to get together and say, oh, yeah, it's so great to be able just to give be able to do that. My wife is the most giving person I know. She would give anything to anybody. And you know that she's kind of rubbed off a little bit on me with that, just a little bit though. I'm still pretty selfish. Um, and, and it's working though to, to see that and to understand that it's not about me. First Timothy chapter 6 verses 17 through 19, a little bit further from when we were just reading a minute ago, says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. And if you have any money in stocks or anything like that, you know that. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. I like to say that this verse doesn't apply to all of us, but unfortunately it does. You might say, hey, you know, I'm not very rich. I'm not rich at all. If you're in this room, you're in the top 5% of the income bracket of the entire world. We are rich. We are rich and we are wealthy and we always want more. I guess the question I have today, is it possibly possible to be wealthy without being materialistic? Is it possible to be wealthy without being materialistic? I guess it can be because we can be 
we can be pretty greedy even when we're poor or when we think we're poor. But it's very possible to say, I just want to give to others with the right attitude. How do we keep the attitude right? Well, there's four things we found in that verse real fast, and since it's not up on the screen, I apologize. But don't become proud of your money. Don't trust in your money. Use your money to do good and give cheerfully. Giving is a cure for materialism. Because why? It's the opposite. Giving is a cure for materialism. Every time you give to a friend, every time you give to your church, every time you give to a stranger, you're breaking the grip of materialism. There's an old saying, it's better to give than receive. I just want a quick, quick show of hands. How many of you guys think that's in the Bible? Oh, you, answer given. Okay. Um, yeah, all of you got the answer right. It is in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says this, and I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember what the Lord, the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. If you truly know that, if you truly know that in your heart, that's a mark of maturity. If you do not know that, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's a mark of immaturity. The fourth one, remember what's going to last. Remember what is going to last. Give your attention to the permanent values. Reorganize your life around eternal priorities. How many of you guys in here at some point in time lived during the 80s? Okay. Most of you in here, the, the, the younger ones probably won't quite understand this. But when I was a little kid, all I wanted was a Walkman. That's all I wanted. After that, all I wanted was a Discman. After that, all I wanted was an MP3 player. And then after that, all I wanted was an iPod. It's funny how we was want and we want and we want and we think that's going to make us happy. It was so great. Um, got a chance, I don't know, it was a couple months ago now, got to go up to, to Denver and visit my sister, and she has friends who had Colorado Rockies tickets, and they were like really close to the field, and I was so excited because they were playing the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks were absolutely getting crushed, and it was just killing me, and I had my Diamondbacks jersey on and Diamondbacks hat on, and I went walking around and had Peyton up on my shoulders, and we're like, oh, I'm just going to get some kettle corn. That'll make me happy uh, once again. And, uh, and uh, I'm standing there, and we're standing watching kind of, and we're talking to some friends that my sister had seen, and uh, this guy comes walking up in front of us, and he has on, um, he literally looks like he just stepped out of the 80s, okay? He has a headband on, first of all. Um, he has on like kind of the Velcro running shoes with socks with stripes on them that are pulled up. He has kind of these weird-looking running shorts on. He has a Walkman on his hip, a cassette tape Walkman. I don't even know if you can find cassette tapes anymore. But he has a cassette tape Walkman, and he's just standing there just grooving out. And I'm just like, thank you, God, for putting him here to make me feel better about myself. I appreciate that. And, and that's all I could think. That, uh, that I was so bummed the Diamondbacks were getting crushed, but that guy walked in front of me, and I literally, I have a, I, if you look at my Facebook, uh, he's on there because I took a picture of him, and I posted it and said, thank God for this guy to make me happy. Um, and, and, and it's just hilarious to think that that was the, oh, man, I just got to have a Walkman so I can listen to my stuff while I walk. You know? And, uh, and, you know, it's amazing to think that technology just keeps on moving and we just keep on wanting. Oh, the stuff we want gets wrapped up and it warps our perspective on what life is really all about. If you look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21, 
Um, it's not going to be up on the screen because I kind of threw this in while I was even studying this morning. But uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 31, it's one of those verses that we all probably have heard, but it never really sank in. It says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where the moths and rust cannot destroy, and the thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, What's the rest of that verse? Does anybody know? There your heart will be also. Where's your treasure at? Is it here on earth? Is it in your car? Is it in your house? Is it in all of these things? Or is it in God? And knowing that you're storing up treasures in heaven. You know, Jesus told a story one time about a farmer and a businessman. It's a parable found in Luke chapter 12. But this farmer had this overflowing barn. He had had this huge bumper crop. And if anybody knows the story... Instead of doing anything else, his first decision is to build bigger barns. I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns. First thought didn't come to his mind was to share it. First thought wasn't, hey, how can I help other people with it? It wasn't anything like that. It was all about himself. I'm going to build bigger barns, and I'm going to rest comfortably. And you know what God says to him? What was that? Somebody say it. You fool. You fool. You don't even know that your life's going to be taken away from you tonight. And you have all this stuff stored up, and all it's going to do is going to send your kids who are going to get this inheritance into ruin. You're a fool. Why don't you think first? Why don't you worry about other people instead of just worrying about yourself? Worry about the eternal parts of it all. Culture says the opposite, though. It says if you have little, then you're worth little. But God says it doesn't matter what you have because you're worth a lot. As a matter of fact, you're worth so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, and to die for me. Even when we're just complete and total morons. He still loved us that much. That's how much he, is, he says that we're worth. What are you really living for? Have you ever asked yourself that question before? What are you really living for? Are you living to get more and use the excuse, well, you know what, I'm just providing for my family. That's a great excuse we use to lie to ourselves. Well, see, my family just can't cope if we don't have a Blu-ray player. My kids need to be able to watch cars in high definition. You know, those are the kind of things we'll tell ourselves. And you know what? We'll believe it. You laugh, but I've heard myself saying that as I'm standing in the aisle at Best Buy going, oh, do we really need one of those? Well, you know, I mean, look how much clearer it would be. I hate for Peyton to, you know, have to worry about what his eyes would do, having to focus on the fuzzy outlines of just a regular DVD player. You know, we tell ourselves that stuff. You know it as well as I do, and I think that's why you giggle. It's probably giggling out of nervousness. Oh, man, he's talking to me. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But the thing is, I want to challenge you to reprioritize your thinking. I want to challenge you to reprioritize your thinking, and it's a learned behavior. It's not like you're going to walk out of here and be like, ah, I don't want anything anymore. Because you're going to want lunch, and then that's going to lead to wanting something else because you're going to get home, and your swamp cooler is not going to be quite what it wants, and you're going to want refrigerated air. Not me anymore. Um, <laughs> But I got that want taken care of. But I'm sure something else is going to come along because now I'm going to want lower electric bills. So I gotta, those are things I'm going to have to figure out. And there's all these things we think about and there's all these things. I just want you to think about this. Is your goal in life the same goal that God has for your life? Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for putting up with us in our, in our absolute stupidity. 
I'm sorry that I'm a moron. I'm sorry that I have greed issues. I'm sorry that I'm selfish. But Lord, I'm afraid that I'm not alone in this room. I wish I was. I'm afraid that you're working on somebody's heart in here that doesn't know what you want for them. Maybe they don't even know you, period. I don't know. But God, you do. And today, as we are here, as we are sitting here in in a room that is warm and uncomfortable and talking about a subject that is warm and uncomfortable, I pray, Lord, that you're speaking to us. I pray, Lord, that you are guiding us and directing us to what you'd want us to do. And, Lord, that we're not just hearing this as an empty sermon that we're going to be able to walk out of here later and just say, yeah, that sounds great, somebody else can do that. But, Lord, that you are actually changing us to say, I want to see my life change. I want to see my life be different. I'm tired of the greed. I'm tired of comparing myself to others. I'm tired of of wanting to be like that person, thinking that's what happiness is. Because, Lord, we all know what happiness is, and that is what's found in you.